I don't deal with a lot of what, you know, first time restaurant owners deal with because I'm dealing with this professional company, you know, they, they run restaurants. Um, and the corporate team is there. Like when I'm off shooting top chef, they have their team coming in and checking on quality and consistency and, um, like quality control. That's everything, you know, like I, I developed the menu and then it's all about setting a level, um, a really great level and then just keeping it there and maintaining that. So I have a team that's there if I'm not there to make sure that the quality is at that level. One of the characteristics of successful entrepreneurs is the willingness to just put yourself out there and make it happen. Celebrity chef, co-founder and executive chef of the amazing restaurant concept Des, and host of Top Chef Canada, Eden Grinchman, has done this in so many ways and very publicly. Coming up, you'll hear Eden's journey and about why it matters to hire a great team to complement your strengths, not being afraid to fail, believing in yourself and trying new things, how being open to new experiences and reaching out to people you don't know can deliver big opportunities, and building a restaurant and why partnering with someone who knows that business is an important step to greatness. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Well, Eden, thank you so much for joining me today. So excited to, to learn more about you. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, so... Is it true that an obsession with cooking shows inspired your culinary career? Yes. <laughs> when people say, like to hear that out loud kind of makes me laugh. But um, yeah, in grade 10, I just – I discovered Food Network. And uh, before that, I really didn't have that – I didn't think about cooking. Um, I always loved food. Actually, I grew up being a very picky eater. Uh, but whatever I did like, I like enjoyed. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I started watching Food Network and I, and I'm from Toronto. So Food Network in Canada is different. So we had a lot of Nigella, um, Naked Chef, so Jamie Oliver, and then obviously Barefoot Contessa, we all know here Amazing. in the States. I'm obsessed with her. And um, the original Iron Chef. I don't know. I just felt like um, there was something so calming and satisfying about watching people cook food on television. And it was hilarious because I was before – I think I was before my time because all my friends were like, what, what are you watching? What are you talking about? Like what are you like – a middle-aged woman at home watching these food shows. And <laughs> I, I was, get it. There was a time where I was obsessed with these, yeah, with these food shows, yeah. especially I, Cutthroat Kitchen. That oh was my god, my absolutely, absolutely. And I was like fifteen. So, anyways, um, yeah, I started cooking, and uh, when it came time to apply for university, I just, I was such a troublemaker in high school, and I just, I knew that I would spend another four years being a troublemaker, and I was like, you know, maybe this isn't for me. And my dad was the one that actually said, you should go to culinary school. I see how much you love cooking. Yeah. And I did. I went to Le Cordon Bleu in London. And it was like such an incredible experience. I was there for two years with one of my closest friends. And I, I graduated with the uh, Grand Diplôme in Pastry and Cuisine. 
Awesome. Awesome. So what did you do next after you graduated? So so after I graduated, I called my parents and I was like, I don't want to be a chef. (laughs) Basically, that was like the first call I, I made when I graduated. And my dad's like, you know, the coolest dude. And my par- my parents are awesome. And they're like, you know what? This is a skill you'll have for life. So in the end, like, we're happy that this is something that you can t- – there's something you can take away from this. And what I ended up doing was actually I started uh, traveling. Uh, so since I moved to London for culinary school, I was backpacking, kind of, kind of mm-hmm. backpacking, traveling on a budget throughout <laughs> Europe. And I got the tra- a travel, like a serious travel bug. And I ended up going to India for three months after I finished culinary school. Wow. Um, and I went with this course. It was called Leap Now. And basically, um, you know, I didn't know anything about India. So I felt like it was a good opportunity to go with a group and they could guide me through that experience. And I'm so happy I did that because I did things with them that I definitely wouldn't have done by myself. Um, I think I'm a little bit of a lazy traveler. Like I don't really research and I just wander. Yeah. And they like set up – I did have a pasana meditation course for eight days, which means you do not speak. I didn't speak for wow. eight days, okay? I was 20 years old do or something. You, or do you leave? After eight days, are you a different person? What happens to you? I honestly cried for eight days. Does they your allowed me stop to, working? I, it, first of all, that's a really good question, and no one's actually asked me that, but I couldn't control my voice level. So uh. I was like, I came out of there like, yelling, <laughs> which you'd think makes, you know, kind of sounds like I always yell, but no, I was like yelling and then I would like talk really quietly and then I'd cry some more. Like it was very <laughs> emotional. You know, I journaled the whole time and basically wrote the whole, I looked back to my journal and it was like, I'm crying, cry, I'm crying, crying more. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot of soul searching, which makes you cry. So that, you know, that was an amazing experience. I I volunteered in orphanages. I worked at Mother Teresa's hospice oh for goodness. a couple of weeks. I stayed with a Tibetan family in Dharamsala, where all the Tibetan refugees are, in the Dalai Lama's temple. Like, I ate lunch every day with eight monks, okay? Oh my goodness. It was out. It was incredible. I did a hike to through, like, the base of the Himalayas. I did vision quests. Like, I look back at those three months. I want to do this. I, it was, it was really one of those, like, they, like, soul-searching trips, and I didn't expect for that to be that. Um... Would and you then, say you were you changed as a person? Absolutely. India changed me. What were the me. biggest changes? Um, I think I lived in a bubble before I went to India. Like I grew up um, in Toronto uh, with the same friends, you know, doing the same things for so many years. And I think that's very common for people at that age. You know, I was in high school. It's not like I had an opportunity right, to really right. see the world at that point. Uh, but it just – I was by myself with all these new people in, in India for three months. So I could, you know, kind of be whoever I wanted to be. And I felt like that was super um, – it was it was very interesting. I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Like being, you know, I didn't need to be the, the funny, crazy kid that everyone knew me for. I could be like a quiet, the serious zen, person. The zen kid. <laughs> um, not that I turned into that. I definitely stayed the crazy outgoing. But – uh, it was definitely like a really touching and incredible experience. So much so that I ended up moving to Israel because that was that was actually a plan that my cousin and I had for years. I, I'm half Israeli. She lives in Israel and we're like, we're living together. And so we moved in together in Tel Aviv and I worked in a restaurant and we had the best time living there. Like we, it was just like... I've never been, but I heard it's such a fun city. Oh my God. It's like energy the energy there is just 
incredible. There's something happening every night. Everyone is so like, like just warm and just full of, there's so much life there. So um, I loved it. We always say, we're like, those were the years. And we didn't know it, but we're like, wow, we just went for it. We were out every night. We were just, you know, eating at such amazing restaurants and um, just, you know, we were living by the beach. Like the quality of life is just like next level. Uh, so anyways, I ended up saving up and living there and, and, and talking so much about India that she ended up going back to India with me after we lived together. Mm-hmm. And then I backpacked and, and she, she left and I stayed and I ended up volunteering at an orphanage that I was at previously. And, um, they had this cafe there that no one was running. It was just, it, it was donated to them, but it, it wasn't, um, really open then. And I was like, well, you know, I just graduated culinary school. I could do this. I could run this business for them. (laughs) I was 21 years old. And I was like with the kids walking through, you know, the, uh, the city that we were in with like flyers for the, for the cafe. And I reopened it. And, um, my parents actually had this like great idea that to tape it. Uh, so I did. And I didn't really think much about the tape, continued backpacking. Um, from what, what I've heard- What do you mean to tape, like to record it? Yes, to record it. Sorry. And where did, you, where did you post it? So I didn't, so actually I didn't do it. It was like this tiny handheld camera and I didn't, I really didn't think <laughs> What year was this? It. Was social media a thing? No, okay. it wasn't. Was I was it? 21 years old and I'm 32 okay. now. So okay. that so was- 10 years ago, the MySpace day era? Not even. I didn't post it anywhere. Okay. I was holding on to this video camera <laughs> As you can that- see, I can't even believe you know where no, to post it. No, I had nothing to, like I didn't know what to do with this thing. So I'm just, I'm just giving you my story, okay. by the way. <laughs> um, anyways, so we ended up- um, uh, so I ended up backpacking, uh, for, I, I think I was in general, in, in total, it was like India and Southeast Asia for like several months. And then I moved back to Israel and my younger sister got into NYU and I didn't really know what to do with my career. And I was like, you know what? I want to live where Rennie is. New York sounds like a good opportunity. I'm going to move there. And I ended up moving to New York and I took that video and, and I actually got it cut into like a five minute sizzle reel. Mm -hmm. And I was working at a bakery in the Lower East Side. And one day my mom called me and was like, did you see the times this morning? And I was like, no, I didn't. She's like, well, there's this big agent that represents all these people on Food Network. You should go and see him. His address is on the bottom. This guy's name is John Rosen. He's huge. He represents (laughs) everyone. Like John is like the biggest, you know, he's like the biggest agent. So I didn't really know what was going on. And I just decided to like take her suggestion and I got dressed up and I went to this place and I'm like, I am here. <laughs> They're like, what's your name? I'm like, Eden. They're like, what's your last name? I'm like, Grinchman. They're like, I'm sorry, but you do not have a meeting with John Rosen. What can I help you? And I was like, well, I have something for him. And they're like, go put it in the garage where the mailroom is. I got a call two weeks after. And that was kind of what started, um, uh, you know, my journey into television and um, they were like, we see potential, but you need to come up with a show idea, which is like in television world, so hard. Um, but, you know, I met the right person and together, uh, her and uh, Samantha Schutz and I, we created Eat and Eats and we brought that back to the agency and we sold it to the cooking channel. Amazing. And amazing. that was like. what was How long was that process? Oh, my God. Well, I think Sam and I met. I was working at Baby Cakes, front of the house, like frosting cupcakes. I was I was like a front of the, front of the house manager, 
because uh, I wanted to get front of the house experience, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and uh, I think it took us almost a year to come up with the concept. She's she's a deep. She started off as a DP, so she was shooting it, and then her and I incorporated into a production company. And then we sold it, and she became director and executive producer on the show. Um, and I think the whole process took around a year, and which then- it should, you know, to create a concept right. and to not have any background in, in this industry personally. She did. So she guided the process, but um, it was it was so fun. Like – when I look back on it, like we just were a bunch of like dreamers in her house, like editing this reel, being like, when we have this show, we're going to do this, this and this. Like we never said if we sell this. We're like, when we sell this, we're going to do this. And I really feel like we just believed in it so much that it just happened. I truly believe that that's how you make things happen. You yeah. just put it out into the universe and you assume that it's going to happen and then it does. So uh, that's definitely, definitely um, my mindset. I totally uh, agree. What did you do the the day the show aired? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> drank a bottle of champagne <laughs> and then did a beer keg stand. No. Yes. <laughs> I, I did. My first keg stand, by the way. I felt like I was like, it's time. Um, I think it's time. Uh, it's How time. old were you at this at this um, point? Oh my god! I think I was. I think I was twenty three years old. Amazing. Yeah, I was. I think I was one of the youngest hosts. And did you stay working at the bakery? No, no. Oh, she fired me. Oh, <laughs> I know. I didn't even quit from that job. I actually, got fired. You didn't have to. I got fired from that job way before I actually had the show on air. That was the only job I've ever been fired from. And uh, like, I haven't seen Aaron McKenna in a while, but. I remember just like being like – she gave me such an amazing opportunity. She sponsored me for a visa to come here and to be able to actually like make my dream come true. Um, and then I don't even know what happened. Like some, you know, gossipy, dumb yeah. stuff in yeah. the bakery. But uh, but like she's amazing. Whenever we see each other, it's like so great to catch up. And like obviously it was like the perfect timing to get fired. Right. It was right before was the show reaction? got picked up. Were you up. upset or you understood? Um. No, I was upset because I got fired because this girl was saying I said dumb things. So I was upset about that, which is so not true. Um, so I just went in there and I, I had to clear the air. But the truth is it happened at the right time. Yeah. And I feel like everyone needs to get fired at least once in their life. It's good yeah. for you. Yeah. Everything, everything happens for a reason. You it's good look to get back. fired once once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some really great advice. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the show airs. And now what does your day look like? What does your typical day look like at that point in time? Uh, well, it's so interesting that you ask that because like as a host, um, it's – your days are always different. Like when you're shooting, you're shooting. Your days are crazy. And then when you're done shooting, you're kind of like promoting, building your brand, um, kind of trying to work on different gigs it's it's a little bit of a hustle, even if you have a show. Um, and I think that's just this industry in general, um, which is actually the reason why I uh, got into the restaurant industry, <laughs> because, um, you know, you have a show and you shoot. Actually, it doesn't require that much time to shoot a show. So you're busy, like, you know, a couple months of the year, and then you have to kind of, like, fill the rest of your year up with different projects. And and that does happen because there's the spiral effect of, like, opportunities that come from selling a series, absolutely. Uh, but 
you know, uh, that's why a lot of people in the industry, they always have several projects going on at once. Right. Um, like, for instance, right now I host Top Chef Canada, but I'm also writing my first cookbook and I have a restaurant. Um, and it feels like things are super busy, but it also feels like this is the right kind of busy for me. Right. Like there's right. something to do every day. There's a place for me to be every day. And, um, uh, and that was something that took me a little bit of time to realize I needed to do for myself. Because not everyone needs to do that in order to feel like, um, you know, that not everyone needs to right. do that. I just needed to be busy every day. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people in television are. It just depends on the gig right. that you're doing. Um, like morning shows, everyone's everyone's working every day. Uh, but when you shoot a show that that gets edited, that takes only a couple months, and then that and then the editing process takes a long time before it actually airs. When did you open up your first restaurant? Oh, I have one restaurant, and it opened up. It's almost it's it's almost been one year, so it's been a, an incredible experience. Um, I have been fortunate enough to partner with E Squared Hospitality, who have opened up. I don't even know how many restaurants at this point. The journey started actually because – We actually had Sam on the show. Oh, Sam's amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. When I met Sam, I was like, yes, show me how this is done. How'd you meet her? Um, so I – like around three and a half years ago, I uh, I decided I wanted to get back into the kitchen and I ended up having a pop-up in Brooklyn at a restaurant called Lucy Rouge. And I was – I'm really, really – I was really passionate about – getting, you know, being a part of this Middle Eastern, this contemporary Middle Eastern movement of if, like this food that's coming out now, especially for me being half Israeli, uh, being super passionate about what they're putting out there and wanting to kind of be a part of that. Um, I was like, I need to have a pop up. I need to to do this as well. And it was really well, it was well received so much so that they um, uh it was supposed to be like a week pop up. And then I think it turned into almost three weeks or something like that. And that gave me the confidence. Um, you know, I had this business plan in my back pocket for years and I was like, I'm not ready to get in the restaurant industry. I don't know if it's the time. Um, and I actually ended up getting into Burger Bash in South Beach because of that pop up. Um, and then I was like, wait a minute, I really need to maybe do something with this. And I was walking in, um, where is it? The first location, Greenwich, Greenwich Village, right? For like, for, for for by Chloe. Yeah, the first location. Oh, yeah, I think so. So I was walking in that neighborhood, and I walked by that by Chloe, and I was like, "These people know what they're doing." And I literally that day went online, went on the website, saw on the bottom that it said, um, "You know, East Squared Hospitality." I googled them. I called them. And I emailed them or I called them and I set up a meeting like within the week. And I met with um, Jimmy Haber and I told him my concept and he's like, you should meet with Samantha Wasser, the creative director. And we met within like that week. Like it, it happened super quickly and Sam and I sat down and I told her my idea and it was like, like within seconds, we completely clicked and together her and I created Des. And it has been it's it's like watching like watching your dreams come true. It's like such a surreal and and wild experience. You know, we came together and we had such a similar vision, and I feel like we've really complemented each other. You know, I I cooked 
for her and she saw what kind of food we were uh I was I was putting out there and then she was like, Well, I feel like branding like this would be great for that and does and the design and she really helped bring bring all that together. Like her vision is so clear. Um and I really I've just learned so much from her. Like she really is um so good at what she does. And I've never been in the restaurant industry before. And um, I've learned a lot, you know, getting to sit on design meetings and branding and, you know, picking location and deciding on like materials. Like it's really been such an awesome experience. Coming up, building Des and a surprise brings joy. You mentioned that you've learned so much by opening up Des. You're in design meetings. You're collaborating with Sam. What would you say was your biggest challenge in year one? Oh my god! Wow. Um, so the restaurant industry is is tough. I I think I read a stat that it's like the number one or number two uh, industry with the highest failure rate. Oh yeah. But it's like also one of those industries, like if you do well, you're like on top of the world. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yes. Um, uh, and I like that's people want to be a part of it because it's 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 so lively and you get to feed people. People are happy when they eat great food and yes, they're drinking very, and very they're true. enjoying. And it's there's so much energy and, and excitement in the restaurant industry. Um you know, as I said, I've, I've been very fortunate to partner with E-Squared Hospitality. Um, they have an incredible uh, team that um, have helped me scale, cost, train. Uh, like I am by – I am not doing this by myself. You know, this is something where I have a background in television and um, I know where my strengths are. And obviously, I have a background in food. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to come and bring my expertise. And they've also been able to come and bring theirs. So I've been, you know, I've been, I've had a lot of help and a lot of handholding. And they are, you know, they're doing everything that I can't do. So I, I do have to say that probably I'm not – I don't deal with a lot of what, you know, first-time restaurant owners deal with mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I'm dealing with – this professional company, you yes, know, they, yes. they run restaurants. Um, and the corporate team is there. Like when I'm off shooting Top Chef, they have their team coming in and checking on quality right. and consistency and um, like quality control. That's everything, you know, like I, I developed the menu and then it's all about setting a level, um, a really great level, and then just keeping it there and maintaining that. So I have a team that's there if I'm not there to make sure that the quality is at that level. Um, so that's been, you know, for me, um, a, a extremely huge help. But I think, you know, one thing that really is, is difficult, especially in the New York City uh, restaurant industry, um, is that there's a rest. There's a restaurant. <laughs> there are like how many restaurants on one block? And I, every, yeah, I forget and what the, the stat is, but I think you could eat at a different place for the rest of your life in, in New, New York, York City. City and not go to the same place twice. Something yes, like that. and it's super competitive, and especially now with social media, like. There's buzz about a new restaurant every day and people want to go and experience that. And I feel like loyalty is very hard to achieve uh, from people um, in New York City. 
And so I think it's just about, you know, finding that um, finding those loyal customers and just having them like that. Being a neighborhood joint is probably one of the best things you can be mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you have a loyal customer that comes back over and over again and feels like it's kind of like an extension of their kitchen. Another thing about New Yorkers is no one freaking cooks. So everyone does eat out all the time. It's very true. So if you, you know, if you have a place that you love that, you know, consistently that makes you feel good, that has food that you can eat on a regular basis, which is something that we try and achieve it does, because we are very, you know, Middle Eastern Mediterranean food just lends itself to a healthy diet. Right. Um, that's something that we've been uh, really trying to put out there um, in press and social media that, you know, it's something that you can eat three times, four times in a week. And I do. I'm at Des. I eat Des every day. I feel great. You go there every day. I, when in I'm New in New York City, right now it's a little difficult because I'm working on the book. Mm-hmm. So before the book, I was at Des every day. Um, recipe developing for the book is really hard at Des because you have service, you have... You know, you can't really find a station in your kitchen, so I have to do it at home. But um, when I'm not doing that, yes, I'm at Des every day, absolutely. So I think it's just about um, – I think it's – I really just think it's about making your place in New York City food scene and becoming – trying to just figure out a way to be staples in people's lives. Uh, because, you you know, when you're hungry and you want a salad, people are like sweet green. And you want to just find a way to uh, be that name that pops up in people's heads when they want to eat something that's healthy and easy and delicious um, on a regular basis. What are you doing to spread that message? I know you mentioned that you're using social media, but what did you? What do you have you found has the, been the most successful way to get the word out about Des? I definitely social media has been really good to us. Um, uh, you know. I make really colorful, poppy, bright, delicious food because I really focus on vegetables and vegetables are beautiful and colorful and um, and I use a lot of, you know, I focus a lot on, on contrasting uh, textures and flavors and that really allows for food to pop on camera. Um, it just so happens to pop on camera. Like for me, I, you know, aside for the beet hummus, I never was like, oh, this is going to be super Instagrammable, like take a picture of this, even though I do know there are a lot of cooks and chefs out there that do focus on that when they make items for their menus. Like I am aware of people taking pictures of this and I always want things to look beautiful. And that's something that I, you know, food needs, you eat with your eyes first. Um, So obviously you want the food to come out looking gorgeous and beautiful. And I think that's one thing, especially at Des, that we do so well for a a fast casual because you go to a lot of fast casual restaurants and they just dump and give it to you. And I feel like it kind of – it doesn't feel like you're treating yourself at that that time. Even though you're eating quote-unquote healthy, Mm -hmm. if your food doesn't look great and you like – sit in front of it and you're just kind of like on autopilot eating your healthy lunch, it's taking away from like your dining experience. And at Des, we have, you know, the same price point, but the food comes out fresh and, um, and beautiful. And, um, 
And that's something that we're really trying to hold on to as well, because I want people to feel like they're doing something good for their body and they're also treating themselves. Do you go on Instagram and look at all of the people that are posting about the food and you know, it's so funny because when I can't absolutely I always <laughs> like pictures that people post and I anyone that's supporting us, I'm um I'm always like writing them and thanking them and, and liking. Um, and it's also a great way that if I'm not there, if I see something I'm not crazy about, I screenshot and I send it to my team. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not what we discussed. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, you like, I'm like, keep eyes out, eyes out. Let's make it's sure. It's a great that... way to quality control. Absolutely. Um, it's actually been really great for me. So when I'm like shooting Top Chef or if I'm um, shooting any other shows or if I can't be in the kitchen, it's a great way for me to just stay on top of things. Um, but not only social media, obviously, we're doing a lot of different press and a lot of different opportunities to make sure that people know not only is it, you know, really fresh, delicious Middle Eastern food, but it's also great food for you. Um, when I was putting together the menu at Des, it's so bizarre because I should have been thinking about this, like all the different vegan options, all the different vegetarian, the gluten-free I didn't really think that much about it um, because subconsciously I know that Middle Eastern food lends itself to so many of these like healthy fad diets. Um, and then when we had to put like, you know, the symbols beside the menu items, like 85% of the dishes are vegetarian. Um, ton of them are vegan. Uh, we have vegan options, super easy, super easy mm -hmm. to make everything, um, uh, to have a lot of gluten-free options. And we actually added a make your own bowl to the menu as well so that, you know, people that are keto or paleo, um, they can, you know, feel comfortable in our space as well. Uh, so it's just for me, it's like easy, fresh um, eating that you don't need to like worry about. And it's really delicious. It's, it's extremely I, satisfying. I'm so upset that I did not try the food before I met you, but it's definitely Well, you to need be, to yes. come in. I'm like, I was talking about it earlier. I was like, okay, I think we got to Postmate this and get it over here for lunch today. Well, um, we, you should totally do that. You can absolutely order Des. Um, I know we're on Caviar, Uber Eats, uh, Seamless. You know, you guys can find us all over the place. And we cater. If you guys want Ooh, some jazz for your yeah, party, definitely do. Or at your office, definitely, definitely do. Uh, just going back to social media, something that we always recommend that our clients do is, you know, do exactly what you're doing. Go on social media, see what people are posting about, and engage with them, and surprise and delight them. And that's actually something that we like to do with our guests as well. So we actually have a surprise for you. Ooh. We stalked you on Instagram. Oh, I uh, that's how I knew what you were doing last night. Uh, and we got you a gift. Here it is. And we also got you an Entrepreneista swag bag that is What's in here? right next to you. Ooh. What is <laughs> Guys. Oh, so my we, we saw God. <laughs> donuts what? during your pregnancy. And Which, by the way, I was like, my stomach is rumbling and I hope the mic isn't picking this up. <laughs> We'll have a donut. What? I haven't had dough donuts, which, by the way, are some of the best donuts oh, absolutely. in New York City in so long, guys. This is in crayons. <laughs> I just got back from Montreal, and I'm pretending to speak French. I don't know French. <gasps> Do you speak French? No. <laughs> Too bad oh, wow, I don't have look, a pregnant. They look beautiful. <laughs> I hope you have one with me. I definitely will. Um, too bad I don't have a pregnant belly to stack these on. <laughs> 
Did you see my pregnant stacking belly photo? No, no, I actually didn't see well, that Well, I'm going to have to show you yes. that after. I stacked dough donuts on my I saw the pancakes. Body. Something with pancakes. No, I regrammed someone okay. that's... I, I put this challenge out on social media called show me your belly hashtag show me your belly <laughs> because when I was pregnant like I think I was like seven eight months pregnant I put pizza all over my pregnant body and it went viral <laughs> and then my husband and I kept like putting crazy things on my pregnant belly and had the best time like the Daily Mail wrote about it Ellen like glamour Cosmo I was like what's happening <laughs> Um, anyways, so now we have this like hashtag and all these moms are sending in pictures of themselves putting food on their pregnant bodies. <laughs> and I'm like, thank God I am that woman that are encouraging people to do this. You are a trendsetter. You've started a whole movement. Um, well, this is amazing. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, um, we'll, we'll definitely be diving into those donuts, um, soon. This is, thank you. <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to take a bite right now, but you, you're know. more than welcome to. I, I'm gonna wait. This is great. Oh, thanks, guys. All right, so I'm going to Des later today. But what, what's on the horizon for Des? What's next? Oh, it's a secret. I can't I don't say like it yet. The show is about sharing secrets. So can you share a little something? Well, you know, there's always things that we're working on. It does. Um, right now, we have a series um, of uh, like Des fireside chats, uh, which have been. So incredible. Uh, we started off with Leandra Medine from Man Love Repeller. Um, and then we had Gail Simmons. And we've had, obviously, Rebecca Minkoff, my dear friend. And um, Kat and Nat just okay. came in. They have a book that just came out. And it's so amazing because we just have these, like, fierce women yes. coming. And um, – <clears throat> We're getting such incredible – like, people are freaking out by all the people that um, we've been able to bring in, which for me, like, I'm, I'm – I feel so honored that they want to come in and chat with me and have a night at Des. And um, I think 50 percent of the proceeds go to a charity of their choice. And we just sit and eat Des food and drink wine and talk about what they're working on and, you know, being um, – like just their journey and how they got into whatever uh, industries they're in and how they've made it in their careers. And I just feel like it's been super inspiring. We definitely have a mostly female audience that come. And I, I really do believe that these women that are coming are just getting super inspired by all these like powerhouses that we're, that we're interviewing. Um, we're going to have Daphne Oz coming up. Katie Lee is coming in. Yeah, I saw she was on your blog yeah. recently. Yeah. So um, – and we have so many more incredible, incredible women coming in. So it's When's been, the next, next one? I have it. I should know it off the top of my head. Um, hold on. Maybe I can find it right now. We haven't even put it out there yet, so you guys are going to got the Yeah, thoughts. I definitely I definitely want to go. Um, hold on. Is it here? Let me look. Um, I think it's Daphne, who's a really good friend of mine. Absolutely love her. Like, fierce mama. She has, like, 20 children. <laughs> and the most incredible career. Have you seen her new show, The Dish? I didn't. I have not she's, seen that. Show. I was. I was just on her podcast. Like, she's written like an, I don't know how many books. Um, I did. What was that show? She was. She was a host on the Chew. The Chew. She's still on the Chew. No, the Chew's, the Chew's. The Chew's done. Chew's done. I don't know. I don't have the date. I'll. I'll find out the date. 
Okay. But yeah, the definitely next let me know. I, chat I want is Daphne come. Oz, I think. And uh, we're just going to have another girls' night. Super fun. Very, very um, cool. What else? You know, we host a lot of really great collaborations at Des. Um, we have um, a Hum and Tushin, a Purim event coming up with Jake Cohen. <laughs> cool. Um, he works at the Feed Feed. And, um, uh, and some secret projects. I wish I could tell you. But when can we, when will we projects. find out? Can you see um, that? I don't know. <laughs> I have so many meetings about some of these secret projects coming up. Are you up, so. opening up another location? I don't know. I can't share anything. <laughs> I can't talk about it. But I do – I am working on my first cookbook and that's that's separate from Des, but it's, you know – um, I'm making food that obviously I cook contemporary Middle Eastern food, um, and that's the kind of food I'll be cooking in the book. And it's me and my husband and my daughter and my family, like living that Brooklyn life, making easy food that makes you feel great with that Middle Eastern spin. And I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It yeah, comes out was, fall 2020. I was looking at your stories last night, and you and your husband are just <laughs> the cutest. <laughs> I forget. Oh God, I he's. First of all, he's like probably the funniest person I know. He's really funny and he, he is loves really the funny. camera or like he loves your iPhone camera. Okay, funny <laughs> you say that. I'm going to make sure that my husband hears that part of this podcast because I'm like, wow, he just looks right at the camera and he goes for he it. He claims that he is he's not petrified shy. of a he's camera. Not shy. He's like, I can't be I'm like, babe, <laughs> they want us to do like this cooking thing together. He's like, I can't. I can't be in front of a camera. I'm like, you know what? You're a crazy liar. <laughs> You, he's so good. Oh, he's so good. He's so good at being himself too. Yeah. And he's so funny. He's like the comedic relief. Even though like I feel like I'm pretty goofy and funny with my sisters, but then like he comes on and he's like No, he's not the comedic relief. He's like the comedy. Yeah. Right? Comedic relief. No, he's is when, he's he's good. What does that mean? You would I would never guess that he was scared of the camera. Yeah. Well, he says that, but like also I don't know. I'm gonna get him on the camera soon, don't worry. Up next, Eden's amazing daughter and a brainstorm. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. You have the cutest family. Your daughter is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. How old is she now? She'll be two in April. Can you believe this? I can't believe this. Time is just, like, time flies. Which is also funny because um, we have a new nanny and she and I told her, she's like, when's her birthday? I'm like, April. And she's like, oh my God, she'll be three. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, babe, but no, not. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, so she's turning three. No, she's turning two. Oh, she's turning two. And I'm like, no, she's two. And she's like, she's so smart. And I'm like, he, <laughs> oh my God, can I just tell you one story about Yes, Abe please. That, um... Um, my nanny told me. So she took her to the playground yesterday. So I'm not there. This is like the best story. And it actually made me cry. And the kid, Ava's, the kid, the kid's playing. <laughs> Recess lets out. Apparently there's a school nearby. And she said like a bunch of seven-year-old boys ran into the playground. And it's like they circled Ava. Oh my and they were like roaring in her face. And like my nanny's like, I was very uncomfortable and I was about to step in and break it up. And she said, Ave puffed up her chest <laughs> and roared in their face. Oh my she she didn't do she puffed up her chest and roared in their face. And then they all started playing. 
Like, oh, wait. So then she started playing with the seven-year-old and boys. And then she started playing with the seven-year-old boys. My, my almost two-year-old daughter. <laughs> they were, you know when kids at that age are like yelling? It's really intense. And she's like, there were a bunch of seven-year-old boys roaring in her face. And she goes, roar. <laughs> and I was like, I cried. She told me this story and I cried. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with me. That has all to do with who she is. Like, she's two. There's no way I could have taught her any of that. That's all her. It's just brilliant. What I, are what are you teaching her? Uh wow. I don't know. Am I is she too is she old enough to be taught like really anything? Don't tell me I don't that. know. The I, I, don't, on. I don't have kids. Do I, don't, I, I don't know how it all works, but I think you're doing something right if don't she's standing tell me. up for herself in the playground. Well, I don't even know how that like that was brilliant. I told Edo and we were like jumping together. We were like <laughs> We're like, oh my god, she's amazing. Like we we weren't even there. So, anyways, um, please don't tell me that my actions have consequences oh, already. Yeah. Oh yeah, they totally oh, do. Please don't. <laughs> She's too but look, young. you're doing you're doing something right. I think you're on the right path. Um, you know what? I really just feel like I'm. We are being ourselves. Ido and I are like really like enthusiastic, happy people when we're together. We're always like listening to music yeah. and playing and we love dancing uh, you know everyone's like is she in music class i'm like her life is a music class <laughs> like, i love please. that i'm like look at this it's a maraca and it's like <laughs> a thing of pasta and we shake it you know it's like it's not we don't need to try super hard to make things like really playful in our home and it's just because you and i are big kids right, right so i think we're just you know when we're with her, we really try and make it more about quality because we're both super busy. And I just like to make sure that we're like looking in each yes. other's eyes and we're having those moments. And she knows that like I'm here. And because, you know, when you're a working mother, it's really, really difficult. And and honestly, I've heard this for working and non-working moms that mom guilt is like a real thing. So when you're not with your baby, you just feel like super bad because you know deep down inside all they want is their parents. And it's this guilt. Like, you know, you feel like, can I really do what I want to do and like not be with her? But then it's also really good for her that she doesn't have me and you know, look, constantly. she's standing up for her for herself. Absolutely. She's so. roaring in boys' faces. So clearly, <laughs> like there is something good about that. But you know, it's hard. Like, we just want to be with her. Um, and um, and we're just trying to teach her. Like, I use the word we a lot instead of, like, you know, you, so that she knows it's, like, a group. Like, yes. a, like we yes. come as a pack. Yes. So I say, like, if we don't want something to happen, I say, we don't do that. We don't do this. We don't do that. Not, like, you don't do that. You don't do this. Um, I definitely say the word no, which I think is also fine. Um, I'm pretty sure that my pedi her pediatrician the other day was like, um, does she like do you guys do timeouts with her? Because I think it's time. <laughs> she first of all, she was sick, so in her defense, she wasn't feeling well. But she like smacked me across, like basically <laughs> smacked me in the face with my phone the other day, and she was like, Peppa. And it was like right in Peppa's this pig cartoon. <laughs> um, and it was like right in front of the pediatrician, and she's like, I think it's time for timeouts. And I was like, Oh, like I didn't even think about it. I'm like, she's just smacking me across the face with my phone. Like, whatever. No big deal. Um, but like we're trying, we're just trying to set some like, you know, like just be nice to each other. That's it. You know? I actually a mother said to me the other day, she's like, It's so funny that all we do is try to teach kids how to share, but then in your adult life, like, we don't 
we don't always share. Why do right. we have to share everything? And I'm like, it's kind of true. Like, why does she have to share everything she has? That's true. I mean, wait till you have another one. Then that's oh, where it really great. comes into well, play. Well, that's that, I, had a, okay. I had a sister. Sharing, and I had to share everything, and I hate sharing. Um. Well, it's so funny because my older sister never shared with me. Like, she would never yeah, let the me older borrow. Sister, I didn't want. She share. would never let me borrow any of her clothes, and it it made me so upset that I gave everything to my younger sister. Like, I let her borrow okay. everything. I dressed her. I did her makeup. Like, it made me so, like, I'm like, I am not going to be that one. I'm going <laughs> to give you everything. And Rennie wore all my clothes. She was like, I was like, yeah, go Rennie. Rock it. <laughs> my older sister was like, you can't wear that. You're going to stretch it out. I was like, because <laughs> she's like 5'4", and I was like five, almost like 5'8". So I always had this, like, monster complex. I was like, I'm a monster. No, I'm oh. kidding. <laughs> I'm a giant monster. I'm kidding. Um... But yeah, so I think, sorry, to go back to Abe, sorry, I'm like spiraling out, uh, but we just try and teach her about like, you know, being nice, no hitting, just the usual stuff. How, so you have, you have a lot of projects that you're juggling. What does a typical day or week look like for you? So right now I'm very book heavy. Um, I have like, I have a co-writer. I'm not the best writer, so (laughs) I need a little bit of help with that. Um, and she's giving me these like deadlines and she wrote me like an email two days ago and like my litter, my jaw was like on the floor. I was like, wait a minute, what? Like all these recipes need to be tested and developed by wait, within two weeks. There's like so many more recipes that I need to work on. And I have a recipe developer working with me right now and we are just like in it to win it. We, I don't know if you saw my stories, but like. I wake up and we're like, I look like a disheveled, like we look crazy. We're just like up in the kitchen until like the last possible second that she can be there. You know, we're Are just- Are you doing this at home? Yes. Okay. Which is great, but yeah. also so hard because Ava isn't in daycare yet. So when yeah. she's home with me, all she wants is me. Right. So I can't like just cook and like put my head down and like really, you know, she's like, mama, mama. So I don't want to say no to her. Like, you know, I'm like, yes, baby. Plus I like to like get her involved. I'm like, yeah. look, the dough. I'm like, cardamom, smell this, smell this. Like I'm so excited about everything. And she's like, I, you know, she's learning the word bubka. She's learning cardamom. She's learning, you know, all these like really, really cool things uh, because of this process. And I want her to be a part of it. And I want to remember looking back and being like, Ave made that dough with me. <laughs> so it's, it's hard because the baby's there and it's hard because we have like a crazy timeline to get this done. But it's also great. And I have an amazing team. We have a lot of fun. It's super creative. There's lots of like really great energy. And I'm really excited about the food that I'm putting out there in this book. Like almost like Everything that's coming out is exactly how I envisioned it. So that's really exciting for me. I'm really, you know, everything that I'm making is really, um, I want it to be really um, just easy for the home cook. And I want them to look at it and be like, I can do that. And that's exactly what we're putting out there. And it's just fresh, happy food. Well, I'll definitely be buying the book. When does it come out? Fall 2020. Ooh, okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm doing that. And then I leave for Toronto to do press for Top Chef in a couple weeks. And I'm shooting some stuff with my younger sister, which is great because we – cool. uh, Like that's like the goal to like work with my family and my sisters. And Are they uh, 
in New York, Toronto. So they're in, they're both in Israel. Ah. Um, but my younger sister is going to be flying in and she's potentially moving to New York for cool. some stuff with me. So um, working together on that and also it does recipe testing, developing new projects. So I'm like all over the city. Do you ever have any days where you're just like, ugh, this is too hard? Every day. Every day. (laughs) What do you do? My assistants are like, like, we're all just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's really, it, I just got, you know, I just found these girls to help me like not too long ago. And I was like, things are falling. Like I'm letting things fall between Mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. like drop. Fall through the cracks. Fall through the cracks. I'm letting things fall through the cracks and that's not me. Like I need help. I need more eyes. I need I need planning. I need – and these girls, have, they're, like, amazing. They've been super helpful. Um, but we're sometimes we sit together at the table and we're, like, talking about all the things that we're doing. And it's we're, like, <laughs> like freaking out because it feels like a lot, um, a lot to juggle. And so – but I like that. Like, I love being busy. Me I too. love having a million things happening. I feel super blessed that I get to have a different day every day. Like that is something that keeps things super fun and exciting. And like I've ne- my year, I swear to God, since giving birth to Ave, like it's just passing. Like things yeah. are just moving yeah. so fast. I can't even grasp. Day. Almost April. I can't grasp time anymore. And I've never had that in my life. And I, it really started since. Because I, I gave It means birth you're to having Ave. fun. Yes. I gave birth to Ave and then I opened up Des. And then all of a sudden I'm like. Where, babies. I'm like, what's happening? Can't keep up. Oh my God. Life is just like, it's flying, but it, we're having a lot of fun. Is there anything that you would want my help with? We do, we typically will do a brainstorm during, um, during the interview. So we put 60 seconds on the clock and then you can ask me anything and I'll just spit out ideas. So, oh my God, that's a really good question. Um, well, I want to know, do you like, do you have tricks on how to like properly like, like manage your schedule and like time management? Uh, we're putting 60 seconds on the clock right now. I live and breathe by my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, I'll forget about it. There have been times where someone will call me and be like, oh, I'm at the restaurant. We're supposed to be. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know. I didn't go in my calendar. So I have to put everything in there. Otherwise, I'll forget. And then something I'm trying to do more of is just say no, you know, really prioritize what's important and what's not and do my best to not feel bad about not being able to go to those things. And I think you have to do that every quarter, just reassess what's important, what's not, and also communicate to your friends and family that this is your life. And unfortunately, their time is limited. You're going to do the best that you can. Uh, but that's that's how I, I manage this crazy lifestyle that I live. Right. There is like something to be said about saying no because I for the longest it's time hard. I couldn't say no to anything. I put it in. I remember the third or second year in business, I had the background of my phone as some like cute little image I found on Google that said "just say no" or something like that. And then I felt negative for holding that and walking <laughs> around with it and having that uh, as the back of my phone when people were asking me questions. I could be like, mm, "Yeah, just say no." But um, I needed that reminder. Don't have it on my phone background now. But it was helpful for me early on. I think that's smart. And I definitely think like that's I I also started saying no, um, even though I have a little bit of FOMO, um, especially now with social media, everything that you say no to, you see on social media. And I you're know. like, ah, 
Why? <laughs> but um, there's always another event. There's always another opportunity. There's always something that, you know, if you put yourself out there, that will come your way. I truly believe that, especially living in New York City. Um, exactly. You never know who you're going to meet. I remember one time I was on the subway and we got a client from just me bumping into someone. So fortunately, we live in a city where those types of things can happen, which is always so nice. Uh, and another question I have for you is, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? Um, I think it's just uh, knowing what you want, sticking to your vision, learning how to communicate really well with the people that um, that are helping you build your brand and your business. Uh, it takes a village. And I think it's really about, you know, my dad always said to me, he's like, hire people that are smarter than you. And I really believe that. <laughs> Yes. So it's just about like making sure that you surround yourself with people that fill in your gaps and um, and just learning how to, um, again, stick with your vision, manage your time as best you possibly can, and um, just being motivating, Motiv learning how to motivate yourself and your team. How do you find people to add to your team? Um, well... <laughs> I put a I put a post on my Instagram stories. <laughs> That's a great way. We get a lot of entries that way. Um, and I found, uh, you know, right now I have two girls that work with me. Uh, one of them actually has been a nanny for 12 years. And I felt like she had so many, um, you know, so this is her first time actually doing something different. And she really just wanted to branch into a new field, a new industry. Uh, but her knowledge of mothers and moms. Um, and also social media is super strong. And I needed to tap into that a mother community because so many of my, the people that follow me now are mothers, especially because of those pictures and my pump dance and my daughter and my, my life on line. So she brings that to the, to, to my, you know, my brand. And then also, um, my other assistant, you know, went to culinary school, has worked in restaurants, has worked, um, in different restaurants in the food industry. And so she's helping me develop and work in the food space. So it's just about for me, you know, finding people again, that can really like help me, um, be better in the categories that are important to me and in the projects that I want to do. Because again, I can't like to run does, it takes a village to run For any sure. project I do to, you know, you, it's amazing how many people uh, that need to come together uh, to make something happen. You know, even for does like you have, um, you have your cooks, you have the corporate team, you have uh, marketing, you have publicists, you have, there is so many things that go into this. Um, so it's just about making sure that you have a team that you rely on and you respect and also that you give, you want to give, you want, you want to want to give positive feedback. So you want to find a team that believes in it right? and is, are passionate about it. And also give you ideas. Yeah, I love when people that I work with give me ideas and I'm all about giving credit where credit uh, is deserved. So um, just trying to encourage the people around you to like push themselves and, and get people that believe in it. What would be your biggest piece of advice for someone who is just starting their career? You know, I have a lot of friends that have wanted to do – that have wanted to start their own companies or wanted to like take on new jobs that are just so afraid of failure that they never do it. 
And obviously, I know money money comes into play, and 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 making money is obviously um, important. Um, but I feel like if you don't try, then you'll never know. And my thing is, I am more afraid of trying. I am more afraid of not trying than trying and failing, because you really never know what could have been. And the truth is, whether you're successful or not in that project, it will motive. It will get you to that next stage in your life. I 100% agree. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, thank you for Where having me. Where can everyone find and and follow you? Uh, so obviously on my Instagram at Eden Eats. Um, also, uh, for any updates on specials and what's happening at Des, go to at in the Des, um, and come visit me at Des because I'm there. Uh, you know, obviously as much as I possibly can, and um, I love talking to everyone that comes in. And I always say, ask for me in the back. You know, I ask will. If I'm there. I'm coming. Ask, Eden. For, ask if I'm there, and 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 I'm if I'm there, I'm usually in the back or I'm in the front working, and I'll come out and hang out, and we can, you know, have a rose lemonade together. Love it, love it. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another entrepreneurista story. I'm Courtney, and this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Thanks for listening. 